You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. So we've known each other 35 years. So you and I met in eighth grade, best of friends throughout high school. But like everybody, we kind of went our separate ways after we graduated high school. We kept in touch. You were the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in your wedding. And now we're kind of living on opposite coasts. So I live in Maine. You live in California. I mean, it's hard to get further apart, man. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about how you're set up out there. So I live in the central coast of California, about halfway between L.A. and San Francisco. Moved down here from the Bay Area just uh, seven months ago. Um, I am married. I've been with my wife for almost 20 years now and have a 15-year-old daughter and was trained as a scientist, spent most of my career in biotech uh, at a number of different companies, half of that in science and R&D and the other half uh, in various commercial roles. And I left the workplace just seven months ago, and now I'm sitting here today making this show with you. In 2020, you left, right? It was the first week of June 2020. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I'm not quite too fire yet. Um, As I said, we live on opposite coasts. I live in Maine with my family, so I have two teenage boys, 14 and 16. They're kind of finishing up with high school. I'm married. I have a wife of 20 years. We've lived in Maine for about 20 years, um, and I've had my own business, I'm an architect, uh, sole practitioner uh, since 2013. So I've been doing this yeah, close to eight years out on my own. Prior to that, practiced for a number of different uh, architecture firms, big and small, residential, commercial, all of that. Um, really love designing homes. Um, and I also, as part of starting my own business, kind of started this, I guess it started as a side hustle. And it kind of turned into maybe kind of the main thing, my own YouTube yeah. channel. That's kind of a business of its own at this point. Um, And I'm a few years out, I think, from FIRE. I'm kind of tracking the kids graduating high school, uh, kind of using that as an endpoint. But, you know, it's a little bit in flux. And I know we're going to get to talking about that. If you think about your, your parents raised you, right? And they were raised by their parents. And so really the operating system that's installed in your parents is one of their parents because it's just passing on all these ideas, you know? And if I think about where my grandparents were, I mean, they were, this this was like, they grew up in the depression. (laughs) It's like a time of scarcity. Right. And you know, you and I, I know because we're friends shared kind of similar financial histories, just in terms of where our parents came from. Tell, tell me about like how you think that impacted your I don't know, your financial psychology, how did it affect you? My parents got married young. They had kids young, as you did, and neither of them went to college. They worked really hard as a result. You know, did a lot of, a lot of great stuff, but worked a lot of hours. And, you know, they always made sure we were provided for, but we were not uh, living a lavish lifestyle. You know, I'm sure that that informed my thoughts about money. You know, I occasionally would see glimpses of the lives of people who were much better off uh, when I was a kid. I just remember going to like a doctor's kid's house and it's just (laughs) like, wait, he has an electric can opener. What the heck is that? (laughs) And I tell my mom about that now. And she thought that was hysterical that I I thought that was a measure of wealth. She's like, we had one at some point. Of course, I I didn't remember that. Maybe it was when I was really, really small. Dude, even I had an electric can opener. (laughs) I did. I do not remember having one, but 
I definitely always thought about money and saving and, and maybe it's a direct you know, outgrowth of that. I have no idea. But as soon as I had a job or soon, I mean, I think I had a savings account before I had a job. Yeah. Were your parents saving though? Because my mother took me, I mean, she worked at a bank for a period yeah. of time and she's like marched me over there with my lawn mowing money and, you know, we deposit it in the account and everything. But I never thought of my parents as savers. Were your parents? No, I, I never did either. And I suspect it was, and I'm guessing here, I think it was probably outside of their means for some time. Yeah. I mean, my, my totally. dad uh, worked in an industry where he was a part of a union and as a result, you know, they had pretty good benefits over yeah. time. And so I know eventually he did and my mother did as well contribute to, uh, you know, 401k at some point, but it was later in life. Yeah. And it, it wasn't to the degree that is sort of, you know, the guidance that, that people have these days about how much to save and what ways to invest it. So yeah, they saved, but no, as a kid, I didn't think of it as a, sort of a, maybe something that was even possible to save a lot. My parents were, were very similar. They were, they got married really young. My mother never went to college. It wasn't really an option for her. My dad went to school. Uh, he was an educator, but I mean, he was making peanuts, really, really very little money. Um, they had two kids when they were fairly young. I never felt like we were poor necessarily, but man, we weren't living very high on the hog, but my, my parents gave everything they had to me and my sister. Uh, I, I have one sibling. Um, I mean, we both went to college, but that wasn't even an option for my mother. And, and my yeah. parents were working multiple jobs at times. You know, my father would come home from working his professional job during the day and he'd go to work in a liquor store at night you know, until yeah. nine or 10, 10 o'clock at night. And my mother would wait tables and ha she had multiple jobs. And I didn't see a lot of that with my yeah. closer friends. Um, and yeah. I mean, it may be one of the reasons why you and I connected so well, because I felt like you and I were kind of on a level playing field. Whereas I would go over some of our friends' houses, speaking to the electric can opener story, like they have the nice computer or they have the Atari or whatever. I'm I like, know. Ooh. You know, and I didn't want to have them to my house because I didn't have any of that stuff. I just had like, hey, get on your bike and go ride around town. You know, that's what I had. I remember my father buying, like it was an Apple II GS or some, not a great computer, right? And he used one of the store credit cards to do that. And, and he paid for that computer for like eight years. I swear oh, wow. to you, it was like, it was one of those high interest credit cards and he couldn't have afforded it, but he wanted my sister and I to have the computer that all of our friends had those, those financial stories. They have a lot of weight. I mean, they, they do. I always remember my father just being stressed out about money and yet they made college happen. I, and, and it's not like I went to a cheap school. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go you and to me a, both. I mean, there's no way they could have afforded that. We right. shared in the cost, but that yeah, was likewise. completely beyond their means. And it it was the springboard to everything in my future. And I don't want to disparage them. Uh, yeah, I'm not that, taking it that way at all. For that financial narrative that they instilled in me. But it just carries on. You know, when I got my first job, I was spending. I wasn't like saving first and spending what's left over. I was spending first. And if there was anything left over, I might've saved it. So, but it sounds like you were a natural saver. Yeah, I was. Uh, and I, I went to college actually with a decent amount of savings from all the summer jobs and, really? and jobs I had during the school year. Yeah. Now I'll freely admit I spent a lot of my money on beer <laughs> gonna um, say. and gas to drive my car. But, and, and I bought a couple of 
largely not very good used cars <laughs> myself. You had some memorable cars, man. The T-Bird. I really did, man. Oh, the T-Bird was amazing. I always felt like I, I wanted to work because I wanted to have money to spend. And, you know, I wasn't asking for, nor would there probably been an awesome response from my parents to asking for handouts. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like you, I worked and, and unlike a lot of our friends, I was working during school in the evenings because, yeah, you, you know, I, you could work three to six or something, three thirty to six thirty, uh, while you, once you were 16 yeah. and I did that. I mean, yeah. you know, we were expected to, I'm sure you were too, pay for my insurance from my car because mm-hmm. you know that was going to be a big increase for my for my folks um and i needed spending money and i also knew i wanted to go to college with money so i did save and when i was in my first job there was a 401k and so i did contribute uh, honestly i didn't know anything about that until that first job and luckily they had somebody doing a great sell job to explain to you know one of those all associate meetings why yeah. this was valuable i immediately latched on to the uh, company match idea and while I couldn't go up to the match in my first job because I was very poorly paid, um, and despite having a master's degree, it's just how it was. I was the lowest paid of all my friends graduating from RPI, which is where I went to university. In $1997, it was $27,000 a oh, year. More than me, so, man. I made 24. I've done the scale. Yeah, I've done the scale. Well, that that's actually such an awesome negotiation story. So my very first work negotiation happened when I got the job offer over the phone. The guy was like, uh, you know, congratulations. We want to offer you this job. The salary would be $26,000 a year. And I must have read something somewhere because I was like, that's not good enough. <laughs> He's like, how about 27? And I was just like, sold. <laughs> I got a $1,000 raise. <laughs> wow. He was really marching it up, huh? I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. He wanted you bad. <laughs> Thankfully, I figured that out later on. Yeah, well, my negotiation didn't go very well in that in that job. (laughs) I said, 24. uh, Any room to move on that? I said, Nope. Nope. (laughs) You want a job or no? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, better at it over time, thankfully. Yeah, no, I definitely am curious to hear about those tactics, too, because I was never really that good at it. it. It's so funny that you brought up the computer. Like, you know, my parents, saw my interest in technology and computers very early. And, you know, I ended up getting a computer pretty early in life. And man, my family had to like chip in for that thing. And it was like a big deal. And, you know, it paid off, right? It was a huge part of who I am today, even at just at a hobby level, right? I've never been a software developer as a career for sure. But man, that was big. (laughs) But other kids' computers, that is such a funny topic because, you know, where, where we lived, was quite a mix of people, right? Yeah. You know, central New York, you know, c- completely rural, like people who are who are just very poor to, you know, we have this, you know, big hospital for the county, county seat. in our yep. town. And so we had a lot of, you know, doctors kids in our class, some of whom we were and still are really good friends with. I totally. mean, awesome people, but things were different, right? You so yeah. you go to their house. I could think of one time <laughs> where I was basically getting called out for like playing with the Macintosh computer and not the kid, (laughs) right? Which is totally bogus. And as an adult, it just embarrasses me to think back about that. But I was so enthralled with this thing that I couldn't have. Totally. Um, 
I remember there was this time, I think you might have been there. I can't remember. We went to the country club with with one of those kids. And I didn't know what to expect. I'm serious. Like, and we're going to be like butlers walking around. Like, I had no idea. That's where all the hot was, chicks were, man. Uh, they, yeah, they were. I had no idea what I was going to walk into. And of course, it was much more low key yeah. than that. But yeah. still, it was like, oh, we're going to the country club. Like, Kinda. what's this going to be? Oh, we're just playing those swings instead of these swings. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely fancier than an electric can opener. Boats with motors. Yeah. It wasn't exactly Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> Not in Cooperstown, at least. <laughs> no, I mean, well, there was some serious money, but uh, actually, there was one kid whose house we went to who had serious money. Yeah. And uh, I remember being impressed by a lot of things there. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm somebody who, you know, worships material goods or anything like that, but man, when you're a kid, it it can't help but like, oh, kind of impress you, right? It's yeah. it's a thing. My parents were busting their humps always for us. I mean, my dad worked holidays a lot because he could get paid double time right. effectively. And he would volunteer to work during ice storms. And my mom was always doing stuff, whether for you know civic groups or uh, you know help supporting us in our activities. Yeah. Like they, they never stopped. Well, and, they I, give, I can't, and when they don't have money, they give of yeah. their time. Right? They do. I and mean, they, and they did both yeah, of them. That's totally how my parents were in the community. The same way yeah. yours were. They made sure we were taken care of, irrespective of the finances. Yes. And I, and I'm very appreciative of that. It's definitely informed who I try to be right. as an adult and I try to be a responsible parent. One of the things I feel like they they taught me to do that I feel like is part of the ethos of my business and how I approach things is they taught me how to get all I could out of everything I had. My mother and leftovers, well, she could wring so many meals out of like one chicken. It was incredible. And it's, I, I, that skill is totally lost on me when it comes oh, yeah? to cooking. But uh-huh. when it comes to the business, I, that's like, I think that's, yeah. I think of that as a superpower of mine. Like I can find a million ways to dice something up so that it, you know, feeds back into the finances of the right. home. And I, I think there's so much value to that hustle. And I, and I completely respect it. The hard part that I have is we didn't really talk about money. There was a lot of negative feelings yes, associated with money in our house. It was, it was something we were always battling and I never, ever wanted to bring that into my own life. That was something that I feel like I learned um, and I felt like I had to teach it to myself because they, the, like the, the lessons weren't coming from mom and dad, even though yeah. all of those things are true. And it's, that's a hard thing to kind of hold in the same place for me yeah. because they gave me so much yet the thing they, I mean, obviously they can't give you the thing they lack and they didn't get it right. from their parents. I mean, nobody talked about money. It, it, you know, my parents' generation, uh, their, their parents, they weren't, nobody was talking about money. When my grandparents no, died, not. my parents were shocked at how much money they were sitting on. They're like, what? Like they were so miserly. And I think that's yeah. that depression mindset. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And I, it'll be interesting to talk, you know, in the context of, of this, you know, and this sort of scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. And I mean, I definitely carried that scarcity mindset when I started my business. This is what I got, man. I got to, I'm not going back to work for somebody else. So I got to keep this safe. And I, so I get that mentality. Um, but things completely changed when I let go of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to talk about that. 
funny the thing it's funny the things we fixate on as kids yeah. though, right oh totally yeah I, this was a stigma for me i lived in an apartment i didn't want to tell anyone i lived in an apartment because all my friends had houses i mean you guys even had a house i certainly wasn't going to say that that was a subsidized apartment like we weren't paying the whole rent on that because we couldn't afford it and the rent was 200 bucks a month yeah for that i mean i don't know if you remember that house it's a giant I do. house I, I I liked your place for what it's worth. Thirteen year old me liked your house and liked hanging out there. You had a cool basement and I don't know. I yeah, I had a bigger yard than you, but so now I had three jobs when I was in college. Um, wow. I was working work study and then I had two outside jobs, one for graphic design and I was working for a cabinet maker, like doing drawings for the guy. I, I felt that. I, I really felt that financial responsibility. I remember going into the bursar's office with my father and we're, you know, you got to pay the bill before you can start taking classes. And I saw that bill I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's what yeah. we're paying. And I, I mean, that hit me pretty hard and, and it made me number one, appreciate the classes that I was taking and the actual cost. Like, I'm, I, I don't know about you, but I did the math on what every class costs. So if I skip oh, the class, man, I don't dare do that math. I should have. Yeah. That would have been smart. That would have helped me a lot. Like skipping a class is like $331. I couldn't imagine <laughs> what that would mean. So I just didn't skip classes, you know, and it helped, I guess, focus the effort and also made, you know, having a couple of jobs really made me realize, you know, I got to contribute to this in a way that I hadn't really thought about prior to that. So I don't know, yeah. maybe they didn't do such a bad job educating me. Financially. I don't think they did. Some of the most impactful education you get growing up is the stuff that's not deliberately education, yeah. right? But true. So I'm, you clearly picked up a lot of important lessons yeah. by watching their example or by, you know, just other attributes that, that became who you are as a result of your exposure, right? Yeah. Knowing your parents, they're pretty thoughtful people. I have to imagine that you, you picked up an awful lot of good things from them. And likewise, I mean, I see, you know, how hard your parents worked. Like, I don't, I don't, your parents didn't really take, I remember your dad having like a Sunday off. Like that would be the day that your dad would be all chipper and like want to make breakfast if I slept totally. over at your house, you know, like that was his kind of happy day. Every other day was like work, work, and I don't know what time he went to work, but I mean, he worked for the phone company. So it was like pretty early, right? I mean, yeah, it was always early. My parents both, my bo parents both worked very hard and have both recently retired, Okay, uh, yeah. you know, just in the last couple of years. So it's, it's actually a very interesting juxtaposition of my own journey say, and yeah. talking to my mom and talking to my dad about their own, uh, their own status. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre in some respects. I admittedly, I, I feel weird. <laughs> Yeah. talking in that way. And I, I probably haven't used those words with them. So you haven't uh, said you're, you retired? No, I mean, well, now you're hitting on an interesting topic, right? And even when I write about this, sometimes I waffle between using the word, not using the word, putting it in quotes. Yeah. Um, I often just talk about leaving my career, leaving the workplace. And I, I think I choose that language usually with them. Yeah, They are two of the very few people who I told, um, you know, sooner than, a few months at most mm -hmm. before I, I left the workplace that I was going to do that. You're one of the others. There's, there's a very short list of people, but even that group of people, I don't typically use that word. And I guess some of that is just what we just talked about, right? The awkwardness of it in some respects. Some of it is, it sounds too definitive. And as a scientist, I feel like if we're defining <laughs> something, we better be explicit. And 
I'm not necessarily done doing things, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I there's a lot, a lot wrapped up in that. that. There's a lot wrapped up in that. Yeah. You're much more recently on the path to fire. You found out about it a couple of years ago, been been cranking on it ever since. But f- starting from the beginning of your career, what did saving look like for you versus spending? And, and how did you approach that? Yeah, and I mean, how did it change since then? Yeah, it was always, I mean, I was excited to to start saving in retirement because that felt like the only access that I had to like the stock market. I was completely excited about that. I mean, this goes back to that education coming from my parents was non-existent. My parents never had a brokerage account. They didn't invest in things. I mean, they, they had very modest retirement accounts when they retired a couple of years ago, you know, so it wasn't, that never even came up in the discussion. So when I learned about this and the office had the little sort of convo and they're like, okay, come on in, you know, you should all be contributing 10%, you know, and 10% of $24,000 is not a lot of money. Obviously I didn't take advantage of Roth contributions, all the stuff I know about today yeah. I committed all the sins from about the age of 20, 22 to the age of, you know, probably 40 is my yeah, guess. I, I did much the same in many respects. So let's say I got $2,400 in my first year there, right? The stuff they were peddling to us was all front-loaded mutual funds. Of course. It's all five and three quarter percent right up front because you want the class A shares, you know, like all the garbage that they they throw at somebody who doesn't know anything. I bought yep. it all. And then as a consequence, you know, as I look at that account 10 years later, I mean, th- those are our highest earning potential years, right? You know, the, a dollar's worth $88 yep. when you start saving it when you're 20. Uh, by the One time of my you reach- favorite things I took from the money show was that $1 <laughs> is 88. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, huge. that's huge math. And, and it's completely eroded when you have massive fees like that. And so I had no idea. I look at that accountant you know, 10 years in and I'm like, well, man, no wonder why they put retirement so far away, like 65, because it's going to be a long time before this amounts to anything. And, and so I think that probably colored my savings life in a way that I was like, well, I mean, I'm young. I want to have fun. I want to travel. I want to do all these things. I want to buy things. Cause you know, when you start earning, you have all this cash lying around. You might as well buy things. I mean, I remember when I lived in kind of suburbia, you know, I lived outside Hartford, Connecticut for a while. And I remember the thing to do on the weekend was like, go to the mall and buy things like go buy music and buy clothes and buy a mountain bike. And you know, those things are fine. But when you're literally just spending everything you're earning, it it amounts to nothing. I mean, I can't tell you there's many, maybe one purchase I bought. I think the mountain bike that I bought when I lived in Connecticut, which I still have today. Awesome. Awesome bike, like $939, the most I'd ever probably paid for something in my professional life. And, uh, but everything else just poof, just gone, you know? And so when I started the business here in 2013, that's when I had this kind of financial awakening where I was like, Oh, I really have to, you have to know your numbers. You have to figure out your taxes. You have to save a runway. You know, you're paying vendors and you're getting paid. So there's all this kind of financial machinery around that you're forced to figure it out. And, and if you want to have a successful business, you better tax optimize your purchases and your expenses and, and know how the fiscal year operates. And, you know, that's right. All of those things become really important. And then 
you know, when you introduced the concept of fire to me again, it was like this, oh my, wow. <laughs> like yeah. I could have been doing this when I was 22 <laughs> and, yeah. and it would have been so different. Life would have been so different. And instead I took all that money and just threw it out the window. So I feel like a complete failure when it comes to looking at, looking back on my financial life and, you know, because the business is where it is today and it's earning a good amount, I can completely change that picture. But, you know, had I had this information and these tools earlier, it would have been, I would have been in a much different place. I feel like you were kind of more woke to the idea of like saving and the value there. And you, I don't, I feel like you were more spendthrifty than I was. You know, maybe is my first answer, but <laughs> But let's dial it back into the things you said. First of all, not a failure because you were never in abject debt, right? And yeah. there are – I have had a number of people in my True. life who have gotten themselves into money trouble and needed help um, because of just poor management of finances and you know for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And so many people, if not most, have a poorer financial education and, and mindset than you do. So I mean, give yourself a little credit. I think what you mean is from a relative sense. Yeah. That could exactly have been so I mean. much farther ahead, but yeah. so could have I. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there were things I was aware of sooner or did something about sooner. Um, but still I'm, I'm equally e able to look back and be like, I could be doing some of the, having the same net worth that, you know, may, maybe not Graham Stephan, but you know, plenty of these young people, people younger than us who are in crazy places financially because they they took some simple steps early right i gotta tell you though if i had heard that podcast about like a dollar saved invested at 20 is 88 at 65 i would have been a lot more all in i don't think i would have gone lean fire but i would have been yeah. a lot closer to that more scarce lifestyle i'm uh, not to interrupt but i wonder yeah, about no, that because please. the mindset of a 22 year old unless you're yeah. i don't know it, it's hard to it's really hard to second guess that that sure. the mentality that you have at that point but man spending in the moment was pretty important at that age come on you know i used to have the the typical buying stuff on credit paying off this statement balance but you're still rolling forward those purchases that hit after the balance you're not paying interest but I definitely used to spend more than I should, especially earlier on once it felt like I was making more money finally. Not a lot, but more than the pittance it felt like I started with. <laughs> yeah. it, it's also true that I figured out pretty early, so after a few years of working, uh, that I wanted to retire early. And and yeah. I that's it is how I referred to it then. Why is you that? Know, I, I just knew that. Well, I was working very hard, and, I, and I've done a few different, through three different startups. So you hated your job? No. <laughs> Come on. Not true at all. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Phi. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesofphi.com. Thank you.